Welcome to the McGuire Iron Podcast. My name is Brian Cooper. I am the Director of Business Development at McGuire Iron and your host for this podcast. At McGuire Iron, we've been helping to store and protect quality water for over 100 years. On this episode, our guest is Tom Emerson, the CEO and founder of Chunk Epic Retreats. Tom has spent his career providing strategic planning and consulting to clients in architecture, engineering, construction, and real estate. He is regarded nationally as a strategic and business planning thought leader. He has delivered more than 250 strategic business planning consulting engagements to companies across the United States. He is a contributing writer to many industry publications, including the Associated General Contractors of America Constructor, Construction Financial Management Association's Building Profits, and from the Minneapolis Star Tribune. He serves on the board of trustees of the Multiple Sclerosis Society Upper Midwest, the Salvation Army Advisory Board, and was vice chair of the board of the Building Futures Council, a Washington, D.C. think tank. He is also the author of his first book, Chunk, which was published in 2021. Tom, welcome to the McGuire Iron Podcast. Let's talk about strategic planning. First of all, what is strategic planning to you when we talk about it in sense of a business? You know, great question. Simple answer is decision making. That's what's the simplest answer I can give to really render it down is that it's decision making about large matters of an enterprise, the bigger matters of the business. So how do you how do you decide to make decisions? What posture do you have as a group when making decisions? And then the decisions to invest, to not invest, to grow, to not grow, to expand, to not expand. You know, that's basically what it is, is a group decision-making process. So you've been doing this for over three decades now. What what brings That makes it- me feel so. You're, you're right, three decades. Yes. Tra- I think I actually traverse a total of four decades if we go by the 80s, the 90s, the and now into the 2010s. Yeah. I'm just trying to give our listeners a sense of your expertise <laughs> at this level, not to date you in age. What brings a business to the point where they say, okay, strategic planning, what does that mystical word mean and why do I need to start doing it? What, what brings them to the point of saying, we need to do this? Yeah. Uh, another great question. So um, there are typically, you know, at the top of any organization, there's a handful of leaders who are more strategic than the others. Uh, maybe they have a better, gra- a better grasp of the long-term uh, influences in their industry or megatrends, or maybe they've been around their company a long time and they've been through some planning experiences. And um, I think that uh, there are some of them that are just more strategic than others, some leaders, and are aware of the gap they get the gap. They get. They basically get the gap. They understand the gap between where the company is and where it could be or should be, even if they're getting really judgmental about their own company, um, where it could be or should be, and how that gap could be filled if they just did some strategic planning to focus their resources on, on a few factors of success instead of maybe too many, or an organized program of attack instead of a diluted kind of thing that just evolves over the years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and but now then, and then there are, there are moments where a leader will, <laughs> um, he'll, 
he or she will be sitting at a country club opposite a friend who says they're thinking about selling their business, and suddenly it dawns on the business owner that they never really thought about that seriously. And now they're thinking about it seriously. And they say, and so a moment like that can come along that, that, that throws them into, maybe I should get my people around the table and have a strategic plan before I get much further thinking about that. And it's just, and those can happen anytime. So there can be numerous factors, even a spouse asking an older CEO or business owner to, hey, you know, it's time now for you to separate, you know, to emancipate from the business, let it go. That can be a, a trigger, actually. Uh, that's how I kind of look at those. Now, post-COVID, the world has really changed. And in your book, Chunk, which um, you can get on Amazon, we'll give you a shameless pug for it. You talk about post-COVID and why strategic planning and this type of work is now more important than it maybe has ever been. Talk a little bit about why that is and some of the some of the reasons you've come to those conclusions. That's a that's awesome. Thank you. Um, I think I was wrong in. I think I I would be wrong to say that it's more important than it has been. I think what it is is suddenly more urgent. It's always been important to think strategically, to outwit your competitors, to outflank your competitors, to, to outsmart them, you know, with a, a better group of decisions at the top of the organization. It's always been a good idea. It's just more, it seems to me that we had this, this um, delayed sort of like sociological amnesia almost where we, everybody got very short term because they had to. Uh, and there, there wasn't a lot. There was, there was a lot of short-term strategic planning going on, quarterly, monthly kind of action planning, and you know, to to get our businesses adjusted to the ever evolving, rapidly, you know, evolving the acceleration of that evolution of all the changes, right as as COVID got going there, uh, and so any thought of long-range planning, sort of went out. It was just like not going to happen. Um, most businesses went into survival mode. How do we just get through today and get through tomorrow? Not you, what does three think? years look like? Yeah, don't you think? And so I, I looked at that and I, I thought there will be a rebound effect. And I actually, when I was writing the book, I stopped writing for a period of two months, during which time I thought incorrectly that it would not be a good time for this book, that this would not be good timing. I, I, I drew the conclusion everyone drew, which was, wow, this is really like gnarly right now. We don't know what's going to happen. And I just wrote a book about gathering people together in groups, but, you know. So, the really great, really great news is that uh, it it ended up, I think, coming out almost the perfect time uh, in that respect. Yeah. So sometimes you get lucky. Better to be lucky than good. Right. So let's talk about McGuire Iron a little bit. So talk about why businesses like McGuire launch into a strategic plan. You touched on some of them and without getting into too much detail, why is now the time to do something like this in an organization? Well, <clears throat> without getting into too much detail, you know, this is a multi-generational company, a company with a strong history and has been through uh, multiple top executives and ownership uh, evolutions and uh, that makes for a very tried and true successful kind of business. It's got like a backbone to it that it's going to be there. It's going to be a, that kind of company is going to be a player in their market sectors. Um, are they going to innovate though? 
to stay on their toes. Uh, the more mature a company gets, sometimes uh, you know I I don't think there are small barriers to entry in this industry. There are probably fairly significant barriers to entry in this industry, but I would think that you know you have to stay on your toes. So that's being mature as a business, but at the same time trying to be nimble. That would be a good rationale for getting together in the planning room. How do we how do we manage a business that needs to be really small. It's down to the water tower level, you know, at you know, the individual project level. How do we run a business like that, but at the same time make all of the investments in human capital and real estate and new new facilities and so on that you're making uh, that are that go along with it. Um, so generational leadership. I think also that there is a lot of innovation going on in the engineering side of your industry. I think the engineering firms that that request your work or who specify your work uh, along with the engineering principles or uh, lead decision makers on the owner side um, are expecting more, frankly, from a water tower expert. I think they're expecting more. And my voice of the customer research that I did during your planning process, again, I don't want to reveal, you know, your, your confidence is here, but clearly there is a growing expectation for engineering leadership from the water tower contractor itself from that portion of the value chain, that role in the value chain. So from a macro level with the companies you've worked with, I'm guessing you're probably seeing a trend line of being more customer centric. I mean, every industry you look at, especially, you know, the ones you're expert in, I'm sure it plays out the same that the customer is the most important thing. Yes, there is a movement underway. Let's get back to your question though. But I will say there is a there is a sort of logic right now in the business world that suggests that culture is what we need to we need to focus on the culture and the employee. And there seems to be this we they black white uh, you know either or proposition associated with that. You know, um, is the customer important than the than the employee or is the right? Mm-hmm. It's not. It's sort of a silly question at the end of the day. Both are absolutely critical. So why are we right going over both of them? But I, I will say there's a strong motion, uh, uh, strong progression of energy in that direction right now, post-COVID, where people are, you know, businesses are just reimagining what the contract is between their business and their employee, taking on new innovations daily. But you could argue at the end of the day who's who's Paying the bills again, exactly. <laughs> the customers are. So, yeah, uh, we did in your process, um, in your planning process, uh, market research, customer research, uh, to ascertain not so much like are they happy or aren't they happy because they generally were very happy. That wasn't the set of questions really. It was more around the what's the change in decision-making that's going on on your side of the mm-hmm. table and how you make decisions and how you select contractors and a lot of innovative thinking going on. Um, yeah. So talk about the the process. So, you know, we're, we're launching this strategic plan. We've launched it internally to our team members and everybody's really excited. Why is, why is a strategic plan so important for organizations as we talk about, you know, both externally and internally? Why is, why is a plan like this important? Oh, because, because of the, the answer to the big question, where are we going? Everybody's got this, whether they're really aware of it or not, I can't say, but I believe 
everybody is walking around with a gigantic question mark over their heads right now with their employer, their businesses. Where are we going? And some of them have other many factors that contribute to that, but everybody's doing it right now uh, and looking at their businesses. And for a company to be able to say, here's where we're going, you know, this is our vision, not in these ambiguous, you know, really unclear terms. The, the vision statements that you developed that I usually propose that companies develop intelligently are detailed vision statements uh, with a lot of concentration to them. And many, many long, you know, the, the vision statements in your case are lengthy, you know, paragraphs long discussions of how you guys see the future, you guys and gals, uh, how you see the future of the business. And that's cause for great excitement for employees to know that they're, I mean, I, I've been in big corporations. I've, I've been in the owner of my own business. And when I was part of a bigger corporation, there were two qualities I looked for in our leaders, integrity and vision. So if you've got it, if you've recently researched it and developed it and put it in writing and the management team is committed to it and understands it, probably in that order, actually understanding it and then committing to it, why wouldn't you shout it from the rooftops? That's the kind of stuff that gives you an, an edge over other employers completely, uh, an edge in customer relationship management. Absolutely. Uh, so that's reason for employees to party, if you will. So the McGuire plan is broken down into four different areas. And so let's touch on those just a little bit because this is public information that we have out on our website, McGuireIron.com. You can go check it out for yourself. Um, the first one is brand leadership. Let's talk about brand leadership and moving up in the value chain. Why is that so important in today's world, moving up in a value chain? You know, I think it's because there's growth and then there's healthy growth. There's growth of a business and then there's really intelligent growth where not only have you grown the revenues, you've grown the margin of those projects while you have grown those revenues because you've added additional value. Uh, and the way to add additional value often has maybe a little bit more to do with the relationship than it does with the project. Like the technical aspects of your projects are complicated. I get that. They are complicated. But a relationship with the customer that transcends the transactional, it's kind of into that relationship, actually is a relationship, you know, brings additional value, allows the allows the outside business partner to predict uh, needs that the customer might have. And just to bring additional, it, it's an entirely different brand proposition than a React. You know, you got the contractors out there that basically they've got a notepad and they've got a pen. And they, they ask, how big a water tower do you need? What does it need to do? And they write it down on a sheet of paper and they slide it. And that's, that's their pre-construction in ingenuity right there, you know. Uh, and then there are those that can bring a whole bunch of other qualities to the table. And that when you do that, you've moved higher in the value uh, making chain and earlier you've moved to the left. And the, if the process flows left to right, you've moved up and to the left. And I think that's a really intelligent space to be from a market strategy standpoint. The next pillar of the strategic plan is operational excellence. Why is that so important to be operationally excellent? Plus, it also rolls in one of our new initiatives, which we announced a few uh, weeks ago, which we broke ground on a new fabrication office very and excited. maintenance facility in and, Sioux Falls. Yeah, I'm very excited for you. I was I watched the um, I was not able to be there in person that day, uh, but I watched the whole clip on your website, and it was very exciting. 
a lot of energy, a lot of emotion, a lot of commitment, and a lot of parties that you owe you know, a debt of gratitude to uh, the community here for getting that going, getting it started here. They're clearly, the, the area supports you in doing that. It's pretty cool. So <clears throat> what a distinctive uh, confluence of two initiatives. Um, one in which you, you've got the uh, need to achieve operational improvements in the company, in the core business day to day, and you've identified it as a strategic priority for the company, whether or not you were going to build a new uh, campus. So, but you did decide at this time that you would build a new corporate campus. So what's happened is the confluence of these two initiatives to me are just very compelling. I don't know, frankly, that I've ever seen this before, where a strategic initiative to, um, to pursue operational excellence is immediately funded with a uh, uh, six-figure, excuse me, an eight-figure uh, commitment. It, you know, it's, a, it's incredible when you think about the timing of these things. Uh, and on top of that, you are also reimagining your brand at this time as a company and getting that folded into the process too. So uh, the, the confluence of those things is just really an incredible coincidence. Uh, maybe not quite so much a coincidence. I wouldn't put it past... Gene Potts, I wouldn't put it past him to have already been thinking, you know, we're going to need to reinvest in the new facilities. And that should be about the time that we should be doing some strategic thinking. This is probably how he rolls. And the great thing about it, too, is with this initiative, you know, we're looking at a lot of different factors. And we talked about, and this will segue us into our next pillar, but worker comfort. So when we talk about the new facility, we're talking about robotics and lighting and ventilation and this all goes into that next pillar, which is quality of life. And that's something that, you know, at McGuire, we really strive to look at and say, what se- separates us and sets us apart as an employer for not only our employees, but their families and the people they interact with? So why is the next pillar, that quality of life, such an important aspect right now? <sighs> you're, you're hitting on, uh, you're pulling on my heartstrings a little bit. I want to talk about market share calculations and you know <laughs> return on equity and stuff like that but um, I I learned a, an unusual expression uh, it's a turn of phrase that I haven't heard employers use before to talk about their employees cherished teammates um, and I think I heard this expression of uh, cherishing employees and cherishing your teammates in a company I believe I heard it from Putz. And in fact, I think I later saw it in writing in something that Putz wrote to the employees about the maybe the status of the strategic plan or something like that. And um, when that is authentic uh, from the C-suite, uh, from ownership, when that's authentic, uh, and then it travels through the DNA of the organization, it makes for a really powerful company that can kind of do what it, probably what it wants to do. Um, and I think you're, well on the way toward implementing a bunch of strategic initiatives that are helping you kind of be McGuire about your, be McGuire right now about your strategic plan. That means like when you're thinking of the, the makeup of the, um, you know, how much parking there is and where the parking is and what amenities are in the facility and which ones aren't. And on both the corporate side of things, you know, the office side of things and the manufacturing and the production side of things. And it just allows you to, 
um, do something I think exceptionally creative right now. We had, well, I happened to work in a company years ago, Krauss Anderson, that uh, moved us off campus for uh, 27 months in order to build a new building and then move into it. Ours was 27 months, I think. How, how long is yours? 14. Yeah. That blows me away a little bit, by the way, about your, your process. That has to be a design build yeah. process. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. You're not going to get those time savings without it. And, but I've seen the renderings and they're really cool. Very cool. So we talk about quality of life. So that's really our people and our culture. And the final pillar inside of our strategic plan is financial success. And a lot of people look at financial success and say, how much money do you make? Right. But that's not really at the end of the day, what financial success really means. Talk about financial success as part of a strategic plan being more than just what does that number at the bottom say? Yeah. Uh, well, we, we started out talking about it being decision-making. The strategic planning is about decision-making, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the choices you get to make as a leadership team is what are you going to measure? You, you get to decide that for the company, what the strategic measures are. And they ought to be very few in number, maybe three or four financial measures and three or four non-financial measures that make up your benchmark, your um, scorecard as an executive team. So you may say that uh, perhaps a company has, uh, they're measuring customer satisfaction and um, quality and morale and some other factor, you know, and then they've they've got financial measures as well that are important to them. And obviously the, the CPA, the, the accounting department, they're, the CFO and so on, they're, they're all heavily involved in a lot of very, very detailed financial reporting and so on. But what's the dashboard that the strategic plan needs to sort of be mindful to or mindful of? Um, and that's a very small handful of financial measures that you think about in advance in a retreat environment and talk them over. Have people from operations and BD and marketing and sales and finance and all of the departments, just like you did in your retreat process, talk over kind of what makes the most sense to, for us to look at monthly as a scorecard uh, for our strategic success as a company. And like I say, there could be some non-financial ones that are obvious, but the financial ones usually kind of look a little bit like the um, income, income statement in a business, a little bit. Won't go into the basic categories there, but it's, and, and that then tells you what, um, you know, what you're striving for. And if you can organize a positive looking view of that that goes out three to five years, you know, the, the financial projection, it's not a promise. It's not a forecast that you would bring to a bank. It's a, just a projection that the remainder of the strategic plan is geared toward. It's not geared toward some other projection. It's geared toward this one. And because it's geared to this one, they're aligned. And because they're aligned, they're more likely to happen uh, mutually. So makes sense, right? Right. Yeah. The biggest thing that I think, you know, now that we've covered the four areas of the strategic plan is realizing the the confluence, I guess, of the internal and external customers all knowing which direction a company is going. That seems like at the at the end of the day, what a strategic plan does is help people see this is where we're going and here's how we're going to get there and here's how you can help. You know, that's that's it. That's it. In fact, it's it's it almost word for word. Uh, that's it. It's the way I've described it in chunk, uh, and it's the way I've described it to numerous clients. Uh, um, that's that's the that's almost the to me the word for word definition for strategy. What planning is it? 
It masquerades as a business process, though. That's the thing. It walks around masquerading like it's some business process. It's all about finance and you know, and governance, and maybe that's it. But in reality, it's got all of these other creative associations with it, I believe. As you know, the, the process is a creative process, so the decisions that get made in there get made when the team has ample time to get creative with one another. You know, Not a rinky-dink little one-and-a-half-day retreat, but a, a significant retreat where leaders can relax and rejuvenate and reconnect, maybe connect for the first time in a meaningful way with their leaders. Uh, yeah. I've got some. Uh, I've got a retreat planned for a client um, this winter. I'm from Minnesota, as you know. So coming from from Baxter, Minnesota, which is pretty much the a dot at the very center of the state of Minnesota, you can imagine how we feel about winters. And uh, I've got a client engagement that requires that I be in Florida working for that client from November through March. It sounds like a tough gig it's if you can tough, get it. Yeah, yeah. It's a good. It's a great company I've known for 25 years, and I'm looking forward to helping them. Well, Tom, I really appreciate you taking the time. If you had one one takeaway from the strategic process at McGuire and what people on the outside, whether it's our employees or our customers, our future customers, our future employees, can take away from what should they know about this process, what would that be? It's the process you followed was almost to the letter, what high-performing Fortune 500 organizations do when it comes to their strategic business management process. But it was scaled down for a suitable family-held, closely-held kind of business. But the process itself, the phases, you, you did the heavy work. So the one word, thorough. Well, good. Well, we can't wait to continue to share our strategic plan with our employees, with our customers, with people that we run into and share the great things about McGuire. And we want to thank you for being part of that process and look forward to additional work in the future. So, Tom, thanks for joining us on the McGuire Iron Podcast. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Brian. And it's I who owe you the thank you. Remember, you can always connect with us by going to our website, McGuireIron.com. You can ask questions by sending us an email at info at mcguireiron.com or you can follow or reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us on the McGuire Iron Podcast. Mm-hmm.